When it comes to work, communication is key. Even if you don't have a writing job, sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at grammarly.com slash podcast. I've officially arrived at the gym. That's step one. What's step two? I guess just stand here until an idea for a workout routine comes to me. Or maybe step two is flagging down a trainer to help nope, and- No way. I already spent most of my money on the gym membership. I can probably figure it out myself. Or you could try FitBot. It's an app that builds a workout routine for you based on your goals and fitness level. You can even tell it what equipment you have so you can get a plan that's customized just for you. So FitBot does all the planning for me. I don't have to Google random videos hoping they're right for me? That's right. FitBot actually has exercise demo videos for you too. Plus, a whole year of FitBot costs less than a single session with a trainer. Huh. Maybe I'll finally get more than one workout out of my gym membership this year. Download FitBot today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbot.me slash getfit. That's fitbot.me slash getfit. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win! Yes! LeBron! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Gary Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to season four of Duncan Dynasty alongside my co host, Corbin Ford. I am Garrett Bouguet, and for this opening episode of the season, which uh, we're, we're getting started the day before the NBA restart, we're going to talk all things the upcoming NBA season. Of course, there's been scrimmages going on, so uh, we have a little bit to talk about there. Uh, and uh, also, we're going to break down the three things that we are both uh, most excited to, to see once the, uh, the, the NBA games happen or start again. Corbin, I'm sure uh, I can I can speak for both of us when I say I am uh, I'm, I'm very pleased that basketball is back. Oh yeah, you said it uh, eloquently. I'm, 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 and simply because that's pretty much all it is. Like just watching the first couple of games, feeling the excitement again, you know, seeing them line up. I could do without the fake crowd noise, but yeah, just that anticipation of Wow, we're back. And especially, you know, going through this year we have had so far and 
these especially kind of rough couple months and just thoughts all over the place of whether the season should come back or whatever. But being able to witness it, it's like, okay, you know what? This is, it, it, it's actually something that at least in short doses was needed. Like I am like ratified that the NBA is back. Absolutely. So what has been your take on the scrimmages so far? We're recording this on, uh, on uh, late Friday night. Um, and so, so we've seen a couple of days worth of scrimmages at this point. What's been your thoughts in terms of the the quality of play so far? You know what? I thought it would be a little more sloppy than it, than it has been. Um, for example, I watched uh, yesterday's, uh, when we were recording this, yesterday was uh, Thursday the 24th of the Lakers-Mavericks um, game. And that was honestly a well-played, perfectly executed first quarter in terms of offense and getting the ball moving and crisp rotations and just just solid basketball. There's been some ugly some ugly ball to be sure, of course, but I am surprised with how right back up it feels. You know, it's, 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 it's a little more, it's a little less than a preseason game in terms of intensity. Or a little more in terms of intensity, but a little less in terms of the sloppiness that you see. Um, but I actually think it's been quite decent. It's actually been, and I've seen this on social media a lot, people kind of almost overanalyzing again. Because it does feel like, okay, we're picking up where we left off with maybe less minutes for the starters. And we kind of look with an eye to the postseason. Yeah, speaking of overanalyzing, you know, there was uh, there was a ton of, uh, of tweeting about bowl bowl for the uh, for the Denver Nuggets oh my gosh, and uh, Denver of course with uh, you know in their first couple scrimmages not having uh, too many guards to work with so putting out a starting lineup with essentially five power forwards and centers and uh, they're, they're calling it instead of small ball they're calling it tall ball uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah there's a uh, it seems like, yeah, you, you can tell when people are uh, um, so anxious for basketball to return when when uh, they are overanalyzing the likes of, uh, of Bull Bull, even though, you know, I, I thought he was somewhat impressive. Yeah, you know, it, he had, and this is what I don't like about the overanalyzing. I get it. Not a lot of content. Basketball games come like sharks in the water. We're all just kind of going to it. It's an intriguing, uh, unique lineup. It was a lot of wrinkles in there for people to be attracted to it. And I think that all the just bubble excitement drew such a sharp backlash that almost diminished the actual strong play that he gave. Um, he had one great sequence where he blocks a shot, brings the ball up court, pulls up for a three on the wing, and, and, and drains the sucker. And I was like, wow. You know, in short dose, that length and, 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 and quickness from one end of the floor to the other um, with some surprisingly promising shot-making ability was kind of cool. Obviously, you're not going to roll him out. You know, the scenarios, he's still developing. There's a lot of situational um, elements to take into consideration there. But, yeah, it was almost like everyone was just salivating over Bobo, which brought back major backlash, like, hold the phone, guys. He wasn't that great, blah, blah, blah. And that almost diminished, well, he did have a very solid first scrimmage. Yeah, and, and we even got to see... The likes of Ben Simmons taking threes, uh, and uh, oh there's uh, that that uh, brings up the seems like the the never ending debate on whether Ben Simmons is is going to take shots and take threes when it matters. Uh, does this uh, does this seem more like fool's gold again, where he's he's willing to take it when uh, you know it's a preseason or a, a scrimmage sort of contest? Uh, I tend to think. 
so. I mean, when he did the like, last three, you know, we all were up in just exuberance over that, and then we saw what ended up happening. I think if the situation occurs where, you know, now he's playing out of position, um, not playing out of position, he's playing maybe, in my opinion, his more natural position off the ball, if he happens to get that same sort of sequence where he can get a shot in rhythm in the deep corner, you know, I think he'll take it. I don't think he'll be afraid to, per se, but I don't think this means that he'll ever going to get a bunch of threes, which is interesting in light of another guy who hit another corner three that was that flit up a community. I can speak to this personally. Um, Phoenix Suns' DeAndre Ayton, who we're <laughs> hoping is not going to have a Ben Simmons situation. I actually wrote a piece about this and that he will continue to kind of flash that three-point shot and make it a part of his repertoire. repertoire, repertoire, repertoire. I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> make it part of his toolbox. I'm just going to can that word. It never happened. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it. it uh, I I believe in in Aiton's ability to uh, to pull it off more than Simmons, especially again when you factor in like free throw shooting and and mid range shooting is uh, is kind of uh, in my mind a precursor to to uh, the the extended shooting beyond the arc. But uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And you know the the other thing that's been that's been fascinating as well is just seeing the seeing the setting that they're playing in seeing the courts seeing the black lives matter at half court uh, and and also you know something i tweeted about as well is it's uh, it's really nice to see that uh, you know there's not going to be the benches are are pretty far away from the actual court um, there's not going to be you know, crowds and even hopefully not cameramen right behind the stanchion there along the baseline. Uh, so, so players aren't going to be as they're uh, as they're going out of bounds and their momentum carries them off the court. Hopefully, we won't be seeing any of those unnecessary ankle sprains. Yeah, exactly, and that's nice because there was a few falls that we saw, and maybe the players are being less um, cautious, knowing that they have open room or. I would know hurtling at full speed, but it's been a couple of falls where we've seen where it's like, oh, phew, like, you know, that, that would have been an easy sprain if they were, the cameras were right there. It's almost like the the, 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 the presence of space shows just how cramped it was before. Your eyes get so used to it that unless it's a particularly hard kind of crash or something, you don't even notice it as much. But when you have a wide open baseline, you know, and it's clear, it's like, wow, like, this is, this is, this isn't bad. Yeah, absolutely, um, and uh, we we've seen some interesting decisions as far as the as far as the broadcasting of some of these games, uh, some of the some of the first games, including that uh, that that Denver Washington game where Denver went with the the crazy tall lineups. We saw the the Denver broadcast in particular going with kind of a Zoom call, I suppose. Uh, where you've got four people, and the people that are broadcasting the game are actually seen at the top of the screen. Uh, yeah, I I didn't particularly care for that, but we you know we've also seen uh, one of the games uh, I believe it was a Clippers game. We had uh, Noah Eagle, who's Ian Eagle's son, doing the doing a radio play by play, and that was broadcast as well on television. and And I saw people complaining about that, and I'm just like, you know what? Even though it's radio, this is, uh, <laughs> I had never heard Noah Eagle broadcast before. I'm like, this guy is pretty good at his job. Let's just enjoy this. Yeah, he, that, he, he was solid. That, I was able to glance a little bit of that. That was good. I have to give some knocks on one production uh, broadcast. It was horrible. I 
was not a fan, and I repeat this, and now I'm forgetting the team that did this. I was not a fan. Was it the Nuggets or the... Oh, it was the box. There it goes, the box. And I was like, really? They kept putting replays of shots that they were making in between the game. Like, oh, one guy made a basket, great. We're going to replay that shot even though the other team has the ball and it's coming the other way. Yeah, that is, uh, like, that is a big pet beef of mine. Yeah, and I've, I've been fortunate that not to have seen too much of it. Um, whether it's not watching certain broadcasts or whatever the case may be. But I saw way too much of it in this one. It was really taking me off. I'm like, okay, the ball's transition. It's not a dead ball. It is still very much in play. Why are we all of a sudden just jolting from one to the other to see a shot or a shot attempt or something that wasn't even... Bucks made a basket. Giannis hit a three. Okay, great. So now we show Giannis hitting a three as uh, the Spurs inbound the ball and bring it back the other way. And then they cut back to the Spurs after they show the replay. And they did this almost every made basket, it felt like. And it was like, that's not something for you to try. You know what I mean? That's never going to work. I would lose my mind if there's a playoff game or a high-stakes, you know, bubble game. And I'm watching a replay of Dante DiVincenzo making a tough layup while the Lakers have the ball bringing up court of like 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Like... That was a horrible hypothetical, but you get what I mean. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, um, the uh, the one positive as far as the broadcast experience that I noticed, and 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 maybe this will just be during the scrimmages and won't actually bleed into the start of the the regular season, but um, they uh, you know when whenever they have a game on NBA TV, typically if you sign on to League Pass, you can't access the NBA TV game from at least on the I watch League Pass a lot on uh, on either the the Roku app or the or the PlayStation Four app, uh, and and t- so typically you know if there's a couple of games playing and one's on NBA TV and one's on League Pass, I have to exit the League Pass app, go into my uh, you know, my YouTube TV, and then find NBA TV, and then when that goes to a commercial, i got to exit the YouTube TV app, go back to the League Pass app. So, so far in the scrimmages, you've been able to watch the uh, the the NBA TV on the League Pass app, so that's been that's been a much more pleasant experience. <laughs> yeah, it, I do like the fact that it does feel kind of short up in some ways. That sounds like a struggle, man. I am, I am sorry for you on that one. <laughs> No one should have to go through that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about this as if this is uh, some some serious actual world problems, First you know. World this, problems yeah, yeah. For certain, absolutely. I mean, like it's such a tragedy. No one should have to do with, you know. <laughs> but you get it. Well, um, again, as uh, as I mentioned at the uh, the start of this podcast, we we both kind of came up with three things that we're most looking forward to with this restart. So uh, we, we both came up with our list separately. So Corbin, why don't uh, why don't you get us started with your uh, your first thing on your list? I I, I want to see some potential playoff match not playoff matchups playoff rotations playoff coaching. That's number three for me. Um, some just coaches figure. I, I wrote this down as in playoff matchups, but that's not what I mean because. What I'm trying to say is, okay, teams are getting up for the playoffs. Let's see if the Lakers try a lineup with, say, and this I would hope they wouldn't use in the playoffs so they did something would be wrong. But let's say a backward of Jared Smith and Deion Waiters with LeBron, AD, and um, Kuzma. Like, trying out 
lineups that you would flash in the playoffs or with an eye to it for certain minutes, you know? Um, seeing some of those strategic moves early, that kind of set the table for what we're going to see in the playoffs. That's what I'm kind of excited for because, to be fair, most of the teams are going to treat it like an extended preseason, especially teams like the Lakers, teams like the Bucks who have home court, I mean, not home court, um, the first um, place secured for their respective conferences and really don't have too much to play for other than staying in shape and getting their reps in. But you know that there's going to be moments like that Lakers-Clippers game, like um, a few Bucks games, where they are going to try to test out certain rotations and, and live to see what they can use in some actual play um, action and, and how that would work as maybe a teaser or maybe something to have in the notebook as a backup plan or whatever the case may be. So those little mini chess matches, almost the moves before the moves, are what I'm interested in seeing, um, or at least that's one of the things I'm interested in. Yeah, and it'll be fascinating as well when you talk about teams like the Lakers that, that, that aren't going to have Rajon Rondo, aren't going to have Avery Bradley. And, um, you know, with those absences, then, yes, what's your what's your team like? What's your five-man lineup in the closing stages of a, of a close game? You know, that is that is going to be fascinating. And, uh, yeah, you know, these teams are, are going to be dealing with with uh, potential various ailments, you know, I, I think so far it's been a pleasant surprise that uh, not too many players have gotten injured, uh, and and I hope that uh, that that stays the same. But with this ramp up, with that uh, that time off, that that might happen. So you're going to have situations where even some of the best teams in the league are going to have to look at some lineups that they probably haven't used too much. Yeah, and I think that'll be interesting to see that. You know, whether it's like you said, circumstance or or just trying to be different, whatever the case may be, um, how they react and, and kind of get it done is going to be something that I am intrigued to watch. And, you know, it might be one of those blink and you miss a couple minute sequences because I don't think they're going to be playing all out like they would even possibly have the season just continued during this time. You know, with eight games to play, you would see some teams still playing out. But in light of the bubble and everything with the, you know, layoff and, and all, I don't expect a lot of it, but I'm definitely going to be excited to see it. Absolutely, and I, I was listening to to a low post podcast. He had Stan Van Gundy on, and, and one of the interesting things as a coach that uh, that Van Gundy said was that he expects. You know, a lot of people are looking at this schedule on paper and suggesting that oh, if you play Milwaukee, this the you know one of the last games of the regular season, that might be easy because they'll have locked up whatever and and they won't be playing hard. He actually thinks it might be the opposite where. The, the better teams, you know, because they don't have a lot to play for as far as home court and, and they've already got their playoff uh, position locked, they, they may kind of take it easy at the beginning and kind of slowly work up towards the end and actually be playing, trying to be playing their best basketball, you know, at the kind of the tail end of those eight games. Yeah. And riding into form, you're right. That, that, and that difference, that's going to be something to monitor. I mean, not even monitor because it's not like it's a data point or something that we use, but just for comparison's sake, how the adjustment is from, you know, what we would normally see as experienced NBA watchers to what we're going to see now and how that's preserved. I don't think they're going to be playing, you know, the start is just the first half of the game or whatever like they are with, you know, these this first preseason game and probably the rest of them. I keep saying preseason, but, you know, um, <laughs> these early kinds of games. But just in general, that – that sort of coaching philosophy, that sort of rest, I'm sure, will um, be taken into consideration. All right, so the number three thing on my list is uh, is just what 
what is the quality of play going to be like? You already talked about that you think the scrimmages have been a little bit better than you may have expected. Um, I'm curious to see how that translates to the regular season. You know, how will the early start times in a lot of these games, how will that affect the, the quality of play? How will the, the rust and that time off affect it? And, and also, you know, how will not having the eight worst teams in the league, something that I'm really excited about because, you know, when I look on paper at some of the matchups every night during a, a typical night in an NBA season, you know, I'm looking for, okay, who are what's an exciting matchup? What are two of the teams that I look forward to watching and enjoy watching that are going at it? And without the worst eight teams in the league, the matchups on paper should be terrific. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to have, at least, you know, with the exception of one or two teams, the cream of the crop. The creme de la creme, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so the basketball, you're right, should be at a fairly decent level because you've separated some of the, let's just face it, wheat from the chaff in terms of play, you know, teams that were deficient. You only have two teams that you can reasonably say, okay, shouldn't be here. And honestly, after the way the Suns played, um, I'm willing to take away uh, the Suns off that list. Uh, maybe put the Spurs there, depending. Some of these teams are unfortunate because they, like the Kings, they just kind of got racked with injuries very quickly. Or, um, you know, I guess that's really it. The Kings and the Suns and the Spurs down there. You can kind of go without the Spurs and the Wizards and then make it even tougher. You know what I mean? Um, right. But I, I'm going to say you're right. And even teams, like I said, Phoenix had it in this scrimmage, so I'm not taking too much stock into it. But they played really good ball. I've always thought that they were a better team than on paper, um, just because of injuries and kind of a disjointed um, season that they've had with eight and suspension and everything. But they're a solid team. They're not up on the upper tier of, you know, let's say Lakers through Mavericks, so the first seven teams. But they're still up there to be challenging, you know. And on the east side, every team outside of Brooklyn down, I mean, Orlando's there. Orlando's always going to be 7 through 8 perpetually, but you're getting good quality matchups most of the time. Every game there is, is going to be pretty decent. You're not really getting the uh, the Magic Hornet games that were classics around this time of the year. Well, nope, this time of the year would be the summer. But uh, <laughs> in like April or May, you know, where you right. get those games or the Slugfest or like a good old-fashioned, um, I don't know, Bulls Timberwolves matchup or, or those lovely triple overtime Bulls Hawks teams. You know, we're not, we're not getting that right now. We're getting some really good play in theory and you're right it is going to be interesting to see how the um teams and players adapt to playing regular games you know starting back up after such a layoff but it is something that i'm intrigued to watch yeah i uh i'm I'm working on my most recent season rerun piece for rip city project and i'm doing the uh the blazers wizards game from from march 4th and and just watching that uh i uh I am. I'm very much excited to to get away from watching a couple of uh, of poor teams playing basketball to watching some some good basketball. And of course, the Blazers even at that time were were pretty injury ravaged, and and they've got some guys back looking good. Uh, so so yeah, it should be exciting. So so let's move on, Corbin, to to the the number two thing on your list. Um, number two for me is watching some of these teams in the West battle for that AC. And so I put Spurs, Kings, Suns, Pelicans, um, Grizzlies, just that glut of teams. Um, the Pelicans uh, were already a strong team. They were finding their stride even before Zion got back. Um, it was reported that Zion is back in the bubble now. So, you know, I'm sure that he'll have quarantine. He should be set to go 
you know, if everything works out from the four days now for opening night, which could be kind of cool. Um, but the, you could tell the Pelicans going to be in a roar. Um, the Spurs, actually, I, I, after I wrote this list, I can kind of pull them out, especially since Pop said they're going to really focus on development. You know, basically throwing in the towel, not throwing in the towel. But they've been injured. You know, this this team has obviously been a team in transition for the Spurs in general. So even watching some of the younger players is good, but drop them out. But you can tell the Suns are going to try to play. Um, the Pelicans are definitely going to be in there. The Grizzlies have a couple good matchups in general, but they have a couple against the Pelicans that are going to be um, tantalizing to watch. That, that, that last couple of spots, Portland. I mean, Portland is crazy in terms of everyone getting help at the same time. Yeah, they're kind of short on the wing, but I'm not looking past the Damian Lillard at all, especially the way he's played this season. You got Skinny Mellow. You got the front quarterback <laughs> of Yusef Nurkic and, and Zach Collins that's healthy. I mean, those four teams, three, <laughs> Pelicans, um, let's say Pelicans, Suns, and Blazers, that little group right there, Grizzlies too, so that four, that can make for some interesting basketball, not only just to monitor who makes it to that playoff round and if they're, I mean, who makes that final AFC and if it will even be a play-in um, game, which for a few teams, if they get to where they want to, it's going to have to be a playing game to get there, but just watching that race for eight, which is kind of funny, but at the same time, also interesting because each team is in different situations. Um, you could argue the Suns really shouldn't be there with their record right now and having lost the games that they did leading up, but they are, and you know what? I know they're going to put the best foot forward. Portland's been injury-rattled, kind of just glossing gimme games, but they're kind of rounding into shape. Grizzlies have been very surprising. Pelicans are coming back on the rise. Like, there's storylines for each one. They each have interesting games against each other, and I mean, ultimately, yeah, you're going to lose to the Lakers, but just to get there. The, the, each team, that would be a great storyline for them. You know what I mean? With the exception of maybe the Blazers, who made the Western Conference Finals last year. But even then, you could spin it into overcoming a ton of adversity slash injuries to make it back to the playoffs. You know what I mean? And then they would be an interesting matchup for the Lakers if they were to match up with them in general. So I, I think all of the scenario between those four teams in that eighth spot is interesting. And it is the second thing I'm looking forward to. And to add to all of that drama, you know, you've got the uh, the the first round pick for the Memphis Grizzlies that is due to the Boston Celtics. If they miss the playoffs, then the uh, you know the the Celtics then that that uh, that pick I believe transfers over to next season and is unprotected. Uh, so um, that'll be uh, that'll be really fascinating to to see. Um, as well, but but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, and and you know I, I don't really um, I don't really take too much stock in, in what Charles Barkley has to say, but uh, as far as his basketball takes, but but he suggested that the Blazers <laughs> could could beat the Lakers. I mean, I, I think there is something too that that Damian Lillard is a tough matchup, especially given that that the Lakers play that that drop back conservative defense, and I mean Damian Lillard is tough to deal with for anybody, uh, but. Uh, but um, yeah, that that would be my only um, my, my only thing about that is yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting and, and, and some of these teams are just really fun to watch. You know, the Pelicans with Zion are, are really entertaining, and of course Memphis with with Ja Morant and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Those teams are fun up and coming teams, so it's it's fun to see and and to see how those young guys may have developed over the course of the last four months. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there there is still always that thing in the back of my mind where I say, well, yeah, all these teams are are battling it out, but then they're just going to lose to the Lakers in the first round. Exactly, like it just feels kind of anticlimactic. But 
you know what they say it's not the step it's not the journey but the friends you make along the way take that you know chop and screw it up put a basketball analogy and that's how i feel about it. <laughs> yeah all right so so uh, my number two on my list is uh you know and, and this team obviously has has disappointed most of the year uh but uh they have a incredible home record and a terrible road record and this team obviously uh about halfway through the season made the decision to put al horford on the bench uh, but the philadelphia 76ers are really intriguing to me they were the team i picked to make the the nba finals at the start of the year and uh, you know i've definitely soured on them but uh, at the same time they're still very intriguing i'm still excited to see the the potential of what that team could be and and what their their lineups will look like and and how they can figure out the how Brett Brown can figure out the minute rotations to make sure that the the the, the trio of Horford Simmons and Embiid aren't all on the court because for for some reason or another when when all three of them are on the floor at the same time I think it's a mainly a spacing issue that the Sixers haven't been good but when any combination of two of them have been on the floor. They're a, they're a pretty darn good basketball team. That's true. They're really solid in this change. I mean, like you said, as far as shuffling the roster around, Philadelphia's been one of the more intriguing teams in the East all year. The Bucks have been dominant. You know, the Celtics have been the Celtics. The Raptors have been surprisingly strong to those who were unaware of the core of their team and how they would rally behind Kyle Lowry. But the 76ers have been this melting pot of intrigue and, and dysfunction and, and success and disaster and highs and lows and peaks and valleys they are the team to watch um uh, at least in my opinion the east and i definitely agree with you you know you have your two better players and it's like okay well do they work well together in this different configuration no can we switch and will things be different and then i think they're kind of going through that you bring a guy in a horror like you said who you know supposed to be a, a different piece that would solidify them and instead it kind of brought more dysfunction and confusion in terms of roles and who plays best, you know, where and in what position. So, yeah, they're going to be a team to watch. Um, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they all kind of just, you know, Ben Simmons would power forward, the 76ers just all of a sudden click, and they ride it up to the Eastern Conference Finals again. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, actually, Eastern Conference Finals. They rock it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They rock it to the second semifinals last year. But the point being, I can see them, you know, going really well and surprising people and, you know, getting – to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I could also see them, you know, stumbling out the gate and losing the first round to, like, I don't know, the Pacers, maybe even the Nets. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it'll be fascinating. And, again, that whole that whole decision to, to bring Horford off the bench, uh, you know, again, based on the based on the lineup data that we have, it, it, it makes sense. But there also is that question of, okay, if they get in a, a theoretical Game 7 in a playoff series and – you know, you, you can make the argument that uh, Tobias Harris is one of their best three players, but, you know, if you talk about Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Al Horford, and Tobias Harris, I think everyone would agree uh, that uh, those are their top four guys. Uh, if if all of a sudden in a game seven you've got the likes of, of Embiid and Simmons playing 40 minutes, how many minutes can you play Al Horford? Because, again, if, if, if he's on the floor with Embiid and Simmons and those lineups aren't good... I mean, how many minutes can you play one of your top four guys in Horford in a, in a game seven if it matters? And reasonably expected to work. You're right. And that, I mean, there's already a spot where egos are already taken into consideration and things that really shouldn't, I mean, that do come into play in a basketball 
18, but in this juncture shouldn't be there. So, I mean, I don't even have an answer for that one. You're right, Brett Brown has his hands full in terms of what the plan is there, but you're right, you have to have your best players on the floor, and you only have a finite amount of minutes to do so with your best players being stuck and basically spread out across two positions. Yeah, it'll be fascinating, and, you know, maybe Brett Brown will just will, will pretend it's not a Game 7 and, and still play and beat and Simmons like 32 minutes, and, and that'll allow Horford to... to to, to play in, in the uh, the 16 minutes each of those guys that they, they sit out. But, yeah, that'll be interesting. So uh, let's move on to, to your number one thing that you've got on your list. I'm excited to hear this. All right, so you looked at one team for your number one, and I'm looking at one team for my number one. But you may be surprised, you may not be. I'm looking at the Los Angeles Lakers. Right? Okay. Listen, they're intriguing. Um, they have the best record in the West, but they're like one of the few times I've seen where they have the best record. They, they've been pretty, uh, I want to say dominant, but they've, they've been sneaky dominant. They're taking care of business when they, you know, when they've had to. That's a couple statement wins going into the closure and, or the lock, lockdown or the end of the, 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 the pause on the season. But they're not really the favorites to make it out of the Western Conference. That, that, that's their teammates down the hall or in this case in the bubble that hail from the same city, the Clippers. And so, for this Lakers team that is anchored around Anthony Davis and, you know, LeBron James, uh, at 35, LeBron still has a stranglehold on the offense. And I don't mean this in a negative way at all, but a lot of the Lakers' play and rotation offensive creation is going to run through him. And at a time when you're going to be playing uh, a couple of teams with some decent wings, whether Luka Doncic or or against the Clippers and the stable uh, of, of solid defender slash wings that they have LeBron's going to be pushed to play just as good defense as he has this year but raise it up a whole nother level to, 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 to actually compete here he's not going to be able to take a break on defense and on offense he's going to have to initiate a lot of this because you have a lot of guard uh, depth has been depleted um, Alex Caruso um, had a back contusion he'll probably be back soon but Rajon Rondo won't be back until maybe the second round of the playoffs with that broken uh, hand or broken finger um Quinn Cook hasn't had a whole lot of run this season. He's good, but he's susceptible to some pressure. Um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope isn't uh, really a point guard. He can bring the ball up in certain moments, but that's not his game. Avery Bradley isn't even in the bubble. You know, you're, you're kind of down to, to a bunch of wings and Danny Green and, and, and uh, new newcomers and Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith. And you're going to put a lot of pressure on Deion Waiters for the few moments that LeBron isn't in the game to, to have some on-ball offensive creation because he's really the only player on this roster looking at outside of LeBron and maybe Kuzma who you can see creating a shot for himself consistently and also maybe attempting to create a shot for others. So for a team that is as great as this Lakers team has been, you know, a really solid defensive team, a pretty good offensive team, um, just LeBron playing amazing basketball in an advanced age, Anthony Davis being on the short list of, you know, one of the best players that, um, in the league as far as MVP, I'd say top 10, but also being up in the top five in um, defense player of the year voting. But you have that. And the team is also, for all the players on it, surprisingly thin in areas where they can't afford to be. They have pretty good bigs in a game and series where they were probably going smaller. And you don't have enough ball handlers, you know, in a time where you probably will um, to either spell LeBron or to have when he's off the off the court. So for a team that is so good, they've done so many questions. And how they adjust, how Frank Vogel adjusts the rotation, 
you know, how he puts Deion Waiters on ball with LeBron, how Kuzma's going to react, how Caruso's going to play. All of these different variables are going to be interesting to monitor for a championship contender that's played really well and drama-free mostly all season. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the main thing for me, given the the uh, absence of, of Bradley and, uh, of course, you, you mentioned the, the Rondo absence for, for we don't know exactly how long it'll be, but should be should be a significant part of this restart. They, they are going to, I think they're going to have to stick to their guns in terms of playing that big style. I think the likes of, of McGee and Howard are going to have to play 30-plus minutes a night. They can still go, you know, you know, if they, if they want to close the game with, with AD at the 5 and LeBron at the 4, they can still do that. But I, I really don't think we're going to see large stretches of ball games where they're going small because they just don't have the depth, the quality of players. And, yeah, if, if you take McGee and Howard out of the rotation, that's two of your of the Lakers' probably top seven or eight guys. So... I think they're just going to have to play to their strengths and, and continue to play big and, and in essence, try to force teams to, to match up with them as opposed to going in the opposite direction. I, I would hope so. And I think for the most part, the Lakers can enforce their will and force teams to play to them, as you're referencing. Um, I do worry with the Clippers because they're one of those teams that can go small while playing some service with Montrez Harold smaller than the Lakers bigs, but is a lot more dynamic. Um, or just as dynamic, if not more, than McGee and Howard. And if the, the Clippers, let's just face it, the only real threats I see to the Lakers to get out the West, if they do that, I think they can kind of play the Lakers bigs off the floor and have them come out with players who match up better size-wise but are inferior play-wise to stop them on the defensive end or force the issue on the offensive end. And the problem with having the bigs on the court, you do have that vertical spacing. But again, you know you're not going to get any shooting or creation from them, so the floor's a lot more clogged. You are giving a lot more attention to LeBron and to spotted shooters because neither neither McGee or Howard at this stage of their careers are post-up um, presence, presences. Um, and Howard used to think he was. Fortunately, he's playing within himself this year, but that's not their game. So you just have a bunch of lob threats who you know run pick and roll, some off-ball action for some shooters, but the floor is all of a sudden a lot more crammed. And on the other hand, with the Clippers going small ball, yeah, you know, you may give up some lobs and dunks, but now you space the floor all the way, and you can easily, or not easily, but work pretty effectively to take advantage of Lakers' uh, defensive laps, if that were to happen. Absolutely, and yeah, I, you know, if, if the Lakers are going to get through, uh, you know, assuming from, from here on out uh, the, the, the players and, and teams are relatively healthy, the Lakers are going to get through the the Clippers and and potentially the Bucks or whoever comes out of the East. It is going to take a monumental effort from LeBron. You brought up the fact that you know you you talk about Bradley and and Rondo, two of their guys that that can handle the ball a little bit, especially Rondo in the, in that fashion. Um, yeah, the there's going to be a heavy load on LeBron. You know his his playmaking load was. Was uh, was large prior to those uh, those absences, and it's going to get even bigger. And you you take into effect the the intensity of the postseason as well. And for a guy that is 35 years of age, that is expected also to bring that energy defensively, because that's kind of also where the Lakers uh, their identity is on defense. Uh, it, it's it's going to take a monumental MVP level effort from LeBron. We're going to have to see 2018 postseason LeBron, and it'll be fascinating to see if he if he still has that in him. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. We talked all this time about, well, not even just the narrative around LeBron, um, even any kind of vote for an MVP is at 35, leading lean and assist, playing inspired defense for the first time in years, kind of managing a high-level offense with a new, a new team around him that's basically almost reworked entirely from last year. But you're right, to get to the finals is going to take a monumental, monstrous performance from LeBron James, unlike the likes of performances he's done since his last year with the Cavs. You know, in order to get them to the finals, and I would—I mean, I wouldn't even argue, but I think it's easy to say that this is harder than that because he had a bunch of tough outs in that series. But at the end of the day, this Clippers team was specifically designed, almost it seems, to take out the Lakers. Yeah, and you know, as good as that uh, as that Celtics team was, they didn't have Kyrie. They probably didn't have a top fifteen player in the league, and this Clippers team has two. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an all it's a it's a different animal altogether, and, and yeah, it'll be fascinating. So, so uh, we'll uh, we'll get to my top thing on my list here, and it's it's similar to the first thing on that that you brought up, uh, but uh, mine is not even necessarily in relation to the standings, but this is more a um, you know leading up to the playoffs sort of thing. But what team in the West is going to emerge? as that third best team, that team that is going to give either the Lakers or the Clippers or maybe both a, a challenging series. Um, you know, you've got the likes of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I think it's, it's promising that, uh, you know, despite Nikola Jokic testing positive for the coronavirus, that, that he has looked fit and, and, and uh, in decent shape in these scrimmages so far. You've got Houston, but they've also got a, a coronavirus issue with Russell Westbrook. But, you know, they were kind of my favorites heading into this uh, to, to be the team that could maybe give them problems. But now that now that these coaching staffs and, and, and management staffs have had four extra months to kind of parse through, all right, what's this small ball Houston team kind of doing here? Uh, I, I'm a little bit more questionable about them. But then you've also got the likes of, of Oklahoma City, who I would say is kind of on the outside looking in. But then the team that, that, that intrigues me still, because I think their offense is, is, is going to be spectacular as it has been all season long, is the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I mean, they're a team I am worried about the loss of Dwight Powell, having a lack of a dynamic role man um, effectively. I mean, Maxi Kleber is okay in spots, and I wouldn't consider Porzingis an effective role man. He likes to pop a lot more than, than roll to the basket, so... That, that would be interesting there dynamic-wise. But at the same time, Luka's Luka. He's hard to stop in general. Chris Stops is a pretty good back um, uh, supporting piece. And you have some solid shooting. You know, good, good, good solid play by Tim Hardaway, even with uh, Ricardo's decision to put on Anthony Davis. So I hope that's not a sign of things to come when they decide to go small. Um, Boban can be a matchup issue. You know, you have, some, you have some good pieces on that Mavericks team I like. I'm still going to go with the Rockets, even though I know that... Um, you know, at this point, they've had time to scout. People have had time to scout James Harden for years. He still averages 30-plus a game. Russell Westbrook's jump shots escaped for three years. He still gets where he needs to go. Um, I think that the Rockets are a team that you know what they're doing. They know what they're doing, and sometimes the variance of the three-pointers matter. But at the same time, I mean, you're going on two guys who, I mean, it's not like the book was just written on these guys, you know? It's not like they're super dynamic. I mean, they are. They have their own different ways of being versatile, but in Harden and Westbrook, I mean, they're Harden and Westbrook, but just like people know, okay, we'll sell the left hand here, we'll force Russell to shoot here, they somehow still manage to do what they're going to do anyway, so I'm not willing to turn off the boat just on them just yet, I still think the Rockets are there, 
Um, but I think the Mavericks are intriguing. Um, I'm not picking the Mavericks also because as things stand, I mean, if they're going to be stuck in seventh place, they're going to play the Clippers. Only way I can think it'd be a tough out for them is if they do something like the Clippers did last year to the Warriors. But to make it tough would be like, okay, they're on the cusp of pushing them out of the playoffs, and I don't think we're going to see that for the Mavs this year. Yeah, I suppose, you know, again, given the, the circumstances we're in, you know, playing the Clippers in round one might actually be preferable to playing them in round three. And, uh, you know, again, given the, the layoff and, and teams might be trying to, you know, ramping things up and, and playing better basketball as we get later in the playoffs. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. I, I think Dallas should be trying to, to move up and avoid at least that, that matchup as long as possible. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, um, you know, as far as the Houston Rockets, you know, and we did our, uh, our, uh, 22 team tier pod, uh, about a month ago, I talked about the Rockets being the biggest threat to the Lakers because their small ball lineups could potentially force the Lakers to go small and get them out of those big lineups. And given the Lakers uh, without Bradley and Rondo, that could be even more critical now. Um, so, so yeah, the, they definitely are a threat. Although, you know, again, the the boring answer to, to this whole point in general is that, that, that maybe no one emerges and maybe it is just destined to be Lakers-Clippers in the conference finals. And that's also very possible. I mean, looking at the slate up and down, you can see just as well that the top two teams that were projected going into the season play like the top two teams that they were through the season and will thus be the last two teams standing in the Western Conference on the conclusion of the regular season. So <laughs> I definitely could see that being the case. Um, it's intriguing that an argument can be, could be made for some teams or both could be maxed out because at the end of the day, the Clippers and Lakers are the, I don't want to say the deepest, but they're the most talented. They have, you know, four of the top ten players in the NBA. And uh, at the end of the day, that counts for something. And uh, in this case, I think it counts for a good Western Conference Finals matchup. Yeah. So uh, this was this was a lot of fun, Corbin. Was there anything else? Uh, was there anything else about the the restart in general that you wanted to talk about before we wrap up here? Uh, not really. I'm just excited to see how this all shakes out. Um, game start. What? Literally a week from now. Less than a week. At this well, point. when 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 this will come out, it'll be uh, the the games will be starting tomorrow as, as of this oh, episode okay. airing. So there we go. So the anticipation is only going to be heightened by the time anyone else hears this. But at this point right now, I'm already excited and no nothing more to add. Just uh, can't wait to get some of these games in and, and and get on social media and talk with you, Garrett, and just be all over these and enjoy them with everyone else. Absolutely, it's going to be a, a heck of a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review, preferably five stars. And uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find... Me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine, including soccer and film and television, so uh, uh, 
If you're looking for some of my takes throughout the, the course of the week, you can find me there. You can find my co-host Corbin Ford on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. So uh, he, uh, he does, a, d- does a good job on Twitter as well. He's very active. Uh, Corbin also is the site expert for the fan-sided website Valley of the Sun, which talks all things Phoenix Suns. So you can check out uh, what he's doing there. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for for listening and have a great rest of your day.